0: Pulse. Hello, so welcome to the uh Digital Doctor Podcast. And we have a very special episode today. We're uh very grateful to have Shafi Ahmed, uh who works as a surgeon at the Royal London Hospital joining us on the line. Hello, Shafi.
1: Hello, hi.
0: And we're also here with uh Nish Bedi, a regular. Hello. There. And we're gonna be particularly talking about Google Glass. And I know you're very fond of Google Glass, Shafi, but do you want to just tell us how you got involved in all of this and uh and how we came up to do this show.
1: Yeah, so uh, essentially, uh, for the last uh, two or three months, I've been playing with the glass, uh, having got an Explorer version uh, from Silicon Valley, to see how we can implement it in various things within medical school, uh, but also the wider world of medicine. Because um, so- you
0: have, you have quite a big role at the medical school, don't you? I remember from uh, from my final year, you uh, I was actually on the colorectal firm under. Professor Durardi and I think uh, I gave you a presentation that wasn't really up to scratch but I know that you were very helpful in all of our finals.
1: (laughs) Uh Uh, Yeah, I'm the Associate Dean of the Medical School, uh, Stephen. as you probably remember. I run the uh, Year 3 and Year 5 surgical programs and head of surgery essentially for the medical school itself and I think we've done a lot of good things over the last um, six or seven years and transformed where surgery is placed in the curriculum having been fairly weak medical school with surgery and anatomy before. So now that we're quite strong, I think, overall. So I have a huge role, and I sort of, I think it's quite important for surgeons to be involved in the undergraduate education program still.
0: Absolutely. So have you always been interested in technology?
1: Yeah, I'm afraid I'm a bit of a geek, uh, Steve. Um, i sort of spent all my uh, money that I can ill afford to spend on gadgets and technology. So um, (laughs) not just because of buying the technology as per se, but always looking at how I can use it in my uh, practice. And teaching, um, so I've done a lot of innovative operations. Uh, I'm a laparoscopic surgeon uh, by default, and with that, I've developed um, what's called single incision laparoscopic surgery, using very small uh, skin incisions by the umbilicus to do major abdominal operations, in which we um, have done probably the first case in Europe a few years ago. So the department I work in, in the academic department of surgery at London, which you may recall, to from your time as medical students. Is very innovative. Uh, we're headed by Professor Norman Williams, who's the current um, uh, President of the World of Surgeons of England and we've always been innovative about how we um, sort of embark on technology but also novel operations for our patients.
0: That's fantastic. So um, obviously it was sort of natural progression for you being interested in technology, getting into Google Glass and, and trying to bring that not only to uh, improve surgery but also to improve education.
1: Yeah, actually, has been the key for me. And, and whenever I sort of alluded to earlier about buying sort of equipment or technology or new new gadgets, it's really the sole reason to see how can I utilise this bit of software or this hardware given my current practice. And I've always thought, actually, sort of in the background, that we don't teach our students um, well enough. Uh, and by that I mean that if you look at the operating theatre as a whole, I've always felt uh, it's a bugbear of mine that. Um, we could do better with teaching. If you think, for example, that every student around the world will understand, what I'm saying, is that often we teach in the operating theatre. We have maybe five, six, seven, or even more students in the theatre itself. Only one, maybe, uh, can get scrubbed. And you're busy with the operation. Uh, obviously, it's a tenth time. And it's difficult to teach a group of students behind you who can't see the operative field and can just see the back of you we've all been there, we're all used to it, we're all accepted as this being part of surgical teaching in the (laughs) curriculum but my my view though of that is that actually what value does that have educationally? Um, the students nowadays spending upwards of nine thousand pounds a year to be able to go to medical school uh, spending eight or nine hours in the operating theatre seeing the back of um, other people and not really seeing the operation is that really valuable? Is it education valuable? Is it time well spent? I think it's not. I think we kid ourselves as surgeons thinking we teach our students well. Of course, we teach some of them extremely well. You can't teach the entire group. So I've always thought, how do we improve that? In the past, I've actually um, spent time in the operating theatre breaking up. So we were doing operations and the students were in the room next door, for example, doing clinical skills or surgical skills or suturing. So in real time, they're being taught next to the theatre, so it's very interactive. And so it's always been a bugbear. And mm. This is where the glass has taken to the next level. I think
0: that's a really good idea. Because I I remember what you're saying essentially is that the the medical school is uh, going from strength to strength, and uh, the the teaching as as it currently stands isn't up to scratch. So. I can only... I'm out of my depth here because I'm a physician rather than a surgeon, so I'm going to have to lean on Nish for this, really. Um, but but I completely um, kind of empathise empathize with that. And um, just... Hearing some of the things that you've been saying about you know looking at people's backs, but I would say even if you get a, a front row seat on the other side of the patient, not really looking and getting the same view of the surgeon, uh, it's it's tremendously difficult. I actually used to like not taking an active role when scrubbed in and standing at, you know the opposite side holding retractors and whatever, and I think it was uh, a lot more valuable if you've got a, a fairly. Short statured surgeon to look over their shoulder, <laughs> <laughs> and because, I'm as you know. <laughs> it wasn't personal. But just because you can get a much better view of what's going on, I can only imagine that Google Glass is is going to enhance that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, no. So I suppose the real thing is that for the first time, well, not for the first time, you're getting a a surgeon's point of view. Um, I suppose of the oper- operation, where he's looking, what he's thinking about which you don't get or appreciate in real time from the other end of the table as you've quite rightly said and I think that's what's captured the imagination of the students, the trainees and the public as well who are invited to see some of the videos that we've been streaming and looking at it from surgeons' eye view has been a really, I think, um, well, if you want a better term, an eye-opener for all of our um, people who have been uh, logging into the live stream
0: do you think it's actually changed the way that you uh, narrate operations and teach?
1: Yes, uh, it is. Yes. Yeah. So, when did the first live feed, Steve? Obviously, we um, um, we had about fourteen thousand students across one hundred and thirty-two countries, and obviously, it's more of a, of a show. How do you teach so many people? What what do you require in terms of faculty? Um, and how do you manage to teach these people? So it becomes more of a narration. So, what you are doing, of course, is doing the operation, which um, some people felt that how can you concentrate on an operation and on teaching, plus looking at Google Glass? Actually, it wasn't that difficult. The operation itself we do all the time, Steve. We teach all yeah, the time to yeah. our SHOs, to our trainees. That's nothing new. And we talk yeah. them through the operation. Yeah. But here, of course, you can't see your audience. You're assuming that they're there, um, logging in through live stream, so you're having to talk through them and talk to them throughout the the time that you're live. And so I was talking much more than normal, but also showing them the anatomy, showing them the techniques and the overview of the operation itself. So um, that obviously was a change in the way I teach, um, but didn't necessarily affect the outcome or make it more difficult for us. Um, it just gave me uh, a dry throat after a while. That's all. <laughs> so,
2: so um, uh, I was going to say, uh, you know, obviously now I'm a core trainee. I'm not so much looking at the back <laughs> anymore in theatre, yes. and getting a, a better view to the table. But I remember those days um, being further sort of in the back in in theatre, mm-hmm. very much. And um, I think what was what struck me first of all was laparoscopic surgery is was sort of touted as the getting the same uh, as the surgeons view yeah. um, and so and, and now there is obviously robotic surgery as well uh, coming in yes. so do you, uh, but i guess google glass would you say it's reserved more for open procedures then um, certainly that's what you've used it for so far i think, and, I think um, um, with more
1: they... yeah sorry go on yeah sorry i think, I think yeah. you're right I think that, uh, mm. we, we've um, laparoscopic surgery by definition is video imaging and therefore, you could read the video straight away. Is HD quality, so that could be done. And actually, you teaching, and also you're watching on the monitor. And um, at the same time, we have tried the glass on a uh, laparoscopic uh, surgery. It works really yep. well, and we're streaming okay. those as well as part of our remit. But you're quite right. The open surgery is where I think it has the most strength or the most mm. uh, utilization. Um, and remember, we don't. Uh, we do a lot of open operations still. And if you think mm, about yes. what I was really intending to do with the glass, and this is my vision, if you like, Nish, for the core trainees. they've had the core right, trainees right. have actually really enjoyed what we're doing so far and looking mm. forward to next operations. Now, imagine this as a scenario. You want to do a hernia operation, okay? A, a simple uh, inguinal hernia, Nish. Yes. Uh, and then, yes. obviously, if you imagine you put the glass on, you can walk to the operating theatre and go and drape the patient already for your first decision. At that point, you can pause and say to the glass, "Glass, or Google, show me a video of an inguinal hernia repair." Right. The glass will immediately play a video in your eye. You can watch it in five to ten minutes. Learn the steps. You can then say to the glass, "Okay, show me the anatomy of the ingrown canal." You can then show the anatomy straight away. Mm. So straight away, you can see where you are supposed to be heading towards and what structures you might encounter, and then you mm. can start doing the operation from what you've just learned. So, almost in the sense that you might not actually need me there, but just in the background watching and supporting you, see whether you can pick up the vital clues um, from what the, you've learnt um, sort of in real time. So, that's really where I think the vision is mm-hmm. to actually teach people in real time with simulation, with videos, with interaction. And actually, I think it'll be a much um, better way of teaching in some regards.
0: I mean, how do you feel about all of that, Nish? As a core trainee learning to do operations. Uh, you know, from the experience that you've had in the operating theatre at the moment, I mean, how would you feel that this would all mean your training?
2: Mm. Well, I think, obviously, it's going to improve your confidence. Because as you were saying there, I think there's a, there's a big step when you are in theatre and you start um, doing procedures more by yourself and with less supervision. Um, so, I, I guess that's the way you, you're describing it, um, seems to be that that's, it will help bridge that gap and then you obviously feel a bit more comfortable in those situations and, and take that step and maybe make, be safer as well when you're, when you're starting to operate by yourself a bit more
1: yeah and the other thing I think is that you have a, mm. a core syllabus for both core mm. surgical trainees and also yeah. for the undergraduate curriculum and actually you have to ask yourself how many of the operations that are core have the trains actually seen or performed yeah, yeah, um, yeah. actually it's true isn't it, so you're busy yeah. filling out your ARCPs ticking, mm. ticking the boxes required, but you may not have been spent, spent time in that specialty for example, so what we're trying to do is say, say for the curriculum for example from September, we're going mm. to have a week by week basis of different operations, different specialties, so over right. the whole year yeah. we're going to cover all of the operations, orthopedics, plastics cardioplastics, general surgery etc, so everyone will have a oh, chance perhaps. to see all the operations that they need to see, ask the mm. right questions, get taught, and at least say that I've seen everything that I was supposed to see in the time uh, for, the, for the curriculum or for the, um, uh, the surgical curriculum at the um, core level. And that way yeah. it takes away, in, yeah. I suppose, the, it makes it more homogeneous. It makes medicine itself more equitable, a fairer that you've seen everything that you're supposed to see. Yeah. Otherwise, medicine is a random array of clinical um, experience and, and mm. I think
0: we can do best in that yeah I have yeah. to say that um, actually one of the reasons that I chose to be a physician uh, I actually came out of medical school wanting to be a surgeon one of the reasons that I uh, went into medicine um, was that actually that I felt that surgical training in the UK wasn't as good as somewhere where the operating experience is you know almost yeah. tenfold You know, if you go to india or, or brazil or, or any of the BRIC countries or or, or less developed countries the operating experiences is, is just absolutely uh you know, not on par with what we experience in the uk and that isn't necessarily bad because we're doing innovative things with new techniques and it's a different type of training but i was thinking in particular about vascular surgery And there's lots of new techniques like endovascular uh, repairs and the open operations are becoming much rarer and for a registrar in surgery doing vascular work, your chance as a sort of core trainee and your chance as a registrar to do the open case, let alone see them, but to do the open cases is, is markedly reduced compared to what it used to be and markedly reduced compared to some of these other countries. And I just felt that I, I, I wouldn't have developed the expertise or, or the level of expertise that I, want, I would want to have experienced by the time I became a consultant. That scared me somewhat and actually that scared me off surgery.
1: Yeah, no, I think you're right. I and mean, there's two things there, of course. Uh, one is that we have to inspire people. Uh, we've got to make sure that as surgeons, and now obviously I've taken my um, role up at the Royal Council of Surgeons in England. One of my agreements yeah. for that really is to inspire people actually, Steve. And this sort of innovation, different way of teaching, will make sure our medical students at Barts mm. London, for example, will at least get exposed, and make a choice, yeah. saying yeah. that surgery not for us. It's not because we weren't taught properly. Mm. We're taught the way that we want to be taught with new innovative methods, yeah. saw the operations, but we made our choices. And I think it's incumbent upon us to make sure that we inspire our own students, make that's, sure that's, that at least some of them mm. um, uh, decide that if they want to have surgery as a career, they make those right choices. In terms of the actual um, numbers, it, it, it is, okay, it is a numbers game. It's was about quality, of course. One thing that you UK does quite well is ensure high quality, um, sort of level of operations. Um, whereas we go abroad, for example, we may get huge numbers, but yeah. maybe not as much quality or as much supervision, for example. There's a balance mm-hmm. there between the numbers and versus quality and being supervised. Yeah. Um, so I think with this sort of method, one of the other things I want to do actually is if you um, uh, we, we're going to be recording all of our operations obviously live uh, and some of them will be recording and storing on our website and then what I want to create is a repository of all the operations for example um, that we can do so that a trainee or a student can go into the website click on a, a, an area of operations and go watch the operations and ask questions for example or at least get some feedback and actually that's mm. missing in the market is actually' that like, if you imagine if you want to go and look mm. at say a fisted operation now today on the web you yep. won't be able to find one. You can search YouTube, it's not there. Yep. There's no repository. So the idea of this mm. is also creating a repository, so you can then access all the operations that you need to. And mm. um, so I think this does help in the sort of eliminating the numbers. Just, can I was actually going to ask
2: in them. in terms of videos because because you mentioned it a minute ago as well and. Um, you know, because obviously like you say, you can have a a repository and just see the videos and I was thinking uh, for myself that I've watched some operations on YouTube uh, but do you feel that probably the Google Glass, you're going to get much more out of watching that even if it is, um, um, you know, the operation maybe doesn't go to plan or or anything else but you'll get much more from interacting with the surgeon for that case on the video of of any procedure
1: you, you can do a video and just narrate, and we can do all the time. You can record a video now, yeah, yeah, uh, an operation, yeah. and do some narration. Uh, and that's one thing we can do, certainly. And mm. that's actually missing, still, in the market. It's, I mean, we haven't even got to that level. I've seen, yeah. Uh, yeah. There's away. a few,
2: because I, I remember from the Ingrid Orrheny, of course, it, you know, that, that um, there are some videos, but like you say, there's a, a range of techniques as well. So you'll also see the most sort of current techniques, I would have thought, with Google Glass yeah. compared to... Um, you know maybe if, if you make a video it's, it's where, the way one person does it maybe not standardised, if you make a yeah. syllabus of it it can, see, yeah, it can see the advantage
1: A lot of people use these videos mm. for showing innovative techniques almost so if you look at the yeah. um, use of video it's about just some uh, man or woman sitting on a conference showing some new technique to the whole world to yeah. disseminate that information and this is not the role for the Google class. it can be used for that this is much more for core, knowledge core training, core procedures Uh, And the level, I think, uh, I think if you just watch a video uh, with no interaction, it's it's reasonable, it's pretty good, but it's not the real McCoy. What you really Mm. need is to interrogate. You need to ask questions. To be satisfied that you know the answers, and actually Mm. have that sort of interaction with the surgeon itself is going to be, I suppose, the benefit of the, I suppose, the advantage of using Google glass I remember the other advantage, of course, and we can't forget this, is the. Ease of use uh, and accessibility, because all yeah. that you need to access a live stream from Glass is a mobile phone or an iPad or computer uh, mm. and access to the internet, and then you can be taught about where you are in the world, for example. And we mustn't forget that simplicity that the Glass offers, which mm. no other device at the moment the market offers.
0: Yeah I think it's a fantastic idea but mm. just to sort of uh, bring it back to something you said earlier Nish about uh, making the distinction between open operations laparoscopic operations and even robotic surgery I mean mm. I had never thought of that and it just wasn't it's not really my wheelhouse um but but I was thinking uh, as you were speaking that, that that even google glass has advantages over just watching an narrated video that was recorded on a you know laparoscopic camera and the reason is that you you get much more context about what the surgeon is doing and what the surgeon is thinking because when you're watching a a, a google glass video or or a video recorded from a surgeon's eye view you actually get to see where he's looking you know when is he looking at the anaesthetist when is he looking at the abdomen when is he looking at the vital signs when is he looking at the 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 actual camera where he's operating Mm. And, and and just you know what he's doing and how he's interacting not necessarily with the anatomy or the patient or the operation but with the team around him and i think that's really important and i think with google glass you get much more information about what the surgeon is actually doing and i think these are things that are that are not taught and these are things that you have to gain by experience but with something like google glass I think that you can, you can start to sort of emulate that as a core trainee or as an undergraduate by, by sort of learning from your peers. You know, what are they thinking? Why is he looking in the anesthetist at this point? Why is he, uh, you know, looking towards the scrub nurse at this point? And I think that's incredibly valuable.
1: You, you are right, absolutely, uh, Steve. Mm. And that, I think the key interaction is what, 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 what my interest, what am I looking at, um, what anatomical structures I'm concerned about um, and during the operation, how do I change my mind and make decisions. I think that's mm. and that's you're right about that. I think one thing that does obviously become a disadvantage is the head movement of the surgeon itself. So uh, on the hand it's good right. to see all that. But at the same time you've got to keep your head fairly still during the operation. Otherwise the um, people watching the stream will go a bit seasick because you're moving you don't realise if you don't realize how much you move your head until you watch it back you must
0: be careful if there's a particularly busty scrub nurse you, you must not look you must not look sorry? Mm. if there's a particular busty scrub nurse you must not look
1: uh, well we, we have we have a few of those i told them to not come to the theatre while I'm doing a live stream otherwise we may just be <laughs> <laughs> you need to pick your <laughs> <or> team <laughs> carefully be <laughs> <laughs> very careful what I've learned I've actually learned to keep my head still now and I've learned a few texts over last Three um, streams we've done so far. I've learned we've we've actually moved it on. We've played around a bit with the lighting. We've added. We've actually bought some new equipment. they three D printed devices to attach the glass. Are you kidding? Uh, to, reduce, to reduce the glare to make it more uh, better in terms of quality. You, re- you
0: really are on the geeky side of the spectrum, aren't you?
1: Um, yeah. <laughs> it's CST, obviously, yeah. When you talk about 3D printing, I'm actually yeah, done it with yeah. yeah, very of 3D printing, yeah, that's concerning. What do I do in my spare time? But <laughs> we've tried to say, so rather than just go for it big time, we've really thought about hard about the feedback we've got from the first stream. Yeah. And yeah. actually, we looked at all the feedback we've, we've got and mm. decided um, so how we move forward, what are the key issues that the um, students were complaining about or had issues with. And we had obviously over 90, 94% satisfaction who they thought was excellent. Mm. So we're pleased with the outcome. But obviously there's things we need to make better. Um, mm. And the Glass itself will evolve, we'll get better and better. We're going to be actually working with, with Google themselves, who will help us and collaborate with us. In fact, I'm meeting mm. at the head of Google Glass next Wednesday in London. And it's going to show me a lot of things uh, about how they're developing the Glass, and it's quite exciting because obviously we're at the real forefront of the changes taking place. That's and exciting
0: for me because Google really haven't been yeah. that interested in health uh, as far as I can see. And, and to know that you're meeting them and that they're on board and you have a dialogue with them is it, it, tremendously exciting.
1: Yeah, I mean, mm. I think super. they've they always said, I think they see the uh, glass being most useful in education and health, actually. And actually mm. um, I've actually got a lot of ideas about projects we want to do with them. And in fact, when they come over next uh, next week, uh, in the UK, uh, and also from Europe, they develop some really wonderful ideas and software that we can use. That really takes the next level about hmm. two-way interaction, for example. And my views are to use the glass in the community um, to prevent patients from coming yeah, into hospital, for example, um, so that we can mm-hmm. actually have a conversation uh, in the community rather than reduce the numbers of the patients that may may not be need to be admitted, mm. which would be a huge, um, I suppose, money-saving exercise for the NHS, making it more efficient. And that's one of my drives for the glass. Uh, and also looking mm. at how we sort of use it in the MDT program, for example, rely on traditional hardware for the MDT process. Mm. And that's not great, actually. It's not a great experience for anyone. And I'm the cancer lead and the MDT lead for Bart's Health. i will <sighs> sure you you can do a lot better. Uh, in mm. the 2014, and maybe Glass will offer that um, as of an example. In fact, we met with a company who are contracting, consulting with Self, looking at the whole of the MDT program and IT integration. See so whether we can introduce that going forward. So there's so many ideas that can be implemented. and I think mm. the world's really are wasted. And Google, to be fair, have really embraced this. I think we gave them uh, amazing marketing in terms of what we did to the, uh, two months ago or six weeks ago. And they feel very comfortable with what that have done and how they go about supporting that. So we're looking forward to that
0: collaboration. Mm. Yeah, and awesome. it's it, mm. yeah, I guess it helps having the uh, the Google base uh, in London as well. I think that that's yep. probably good. I mean, uh, mm. it, it just sparks so many questions, and I want to come about uh, come on to sort of privacy and yeah. potential problems a bit later. So I'd sort of mm. part that to one side. Yeah, I think I think that's going to be a big issue. Um, and I, I've actually just been listening on the, on the drive home to Inside Health on BBC Radio 4 today. And they mm. were talking about recording uh, conversations and everything else. So I think we'll part that to one side Just spark that in, in your mind. <laughs> um, but um, do, so you, you're not primarily limiting this kind of technology to, to education, you want to actually make it improve health.
1: No, not at all. I think it should. There's so many applications. When you see the device and what it can do, um, it doesn't take um, mm. someone with an incredible imagination to see what it can achieve. And we're looking at every branch. Um, so, for example, um, about three or four weeks ago, I did a ward round uh, from home. So my registrar, for example, had the glass on. It was all sort of. Um, um, I suppose, supported by the, medic, the trust and the uh, chief executive Medical director, I got the uh, approval first. So my <laughs> that's, registrar going yeah, to
2: ask. <laughs> yeah.
1: So yeah, you have to; otherwise, you're in big trouble with this. So essentially, mm. my registrar did the ward round on a Friday afternoon with a glass. I was not like, away elsewhere, and I basically was seeing the patients. I was watching them in real live time. The patients were consented, and I was telling him what to do with the patients, so that I actually saw them with his eyes. Uh, commented on what I need to do, what he's looking at. And then we had plans for all the patients on a Friday afternoon so that every, all the patients were comfortable. That I'd seen them, we've made decisions, and uh, for the Friday of the weekend. And if the NHS is going to a level they want 7 7 cover, and they want mm. us to work much harder for the weekends and evenings, uh, A, they can't really mm. afford it. A, it's do, too expensive. Do you to agree have with run. that,
0: though? Mm.
1: Well, I, I agree with consultant-led service. I think that's the right thing to do. But the do you agree with the right,
0: consultant-delivered
1: service? Well, I think that I don't think we can afford it. That's the problem. I think that when you're working weekends out of hours, unless they change the contract radically, which I don't think they can, um, because you're we all signed up to the contract, it would be difficult to um, to um, pay for that. Um, but I, in in its, I as an idea, of course, we should spite all the time. I'm not sure we can actually. Um, um, uh, and pay for that. However, there are other mm. ways of doing it. So this, this is one idea I think, going away from uh, the 77 cover. Actually all of us, and I'm sure you're much the same, we like to be in control of our patients. we like to see them every day if we possibly can, I certainly phone every weekend about my patient make sure they're okay. And I'm constantly worried about their outcome. And um, so actually if you imagine now translating that to a situation where say you're abroad for example and you want to know about your patients you just mm. peel into Google, get your registrar, go around, do a ward round if you want from remote place on your mobile phone, and you're there, you're making decisions, and you're still looking after your patients. So that may mm. be a way of overcoming having a consultant deliver service 24 hours a day or 7-7 cover. I'm so surprised.
2: You. I can actually see that beneficial for training as well, really, as the registrar, you know, having someone sort of looking over your shoulder, but... In, in a way that you can get feedback and say, well, you know, I was thinking of this plan. Really, I was going to
0: say the opposite.
2: Well, no, because I, I, I was thinking, like, wh- is this is it good or bad? Because you're not making the decisions, but you know, you know, you don't get that opportunity very often to have, say, a ward round where you walk around with a consultant and and you you can make certain decisions. So if it, if there's an understanding to do it, maybe yeah. it gives you that opportunity, and certainly you're having more supervision, which is always you know something that's helpful in your yeah. training.
0: Although I was going to ask, I was going to ask uh, Shafi, uh, you know, is there a not a tension there between uh, experience and education and and consult, you know, sort of a top down decision to make consultants more in, you know, integrated into every decision that's being made? Um, and I'm not sure yeah. where I fall on that line, actually. Um, although I can say that from my experience as a physician, I've tremendously enjoyed being independent uh, as far as I'm under, you know, a consultant. And uh, and I always have someone to go to for advice, but I like being in the position of making a decision because it's a very fine line. But actually, it makes a very big difference to to how you approach things. Mm-hmm. If you know that the consultant is there, you know within seconds, I think that very much changes your dynamic about what you do and how you ask and how you learn. And uh, I worry about that, actually. I worry about the training value of having uh, someone standing over your shoulder. Mm. Of course, there is the other extreme where you never have anyone to rely on. Mm -hmm. And you'll develop your own kind of backwards quackery. Um, And that's dangerous. But I, I think in the UK, we're pretty good about that. And I think there's always someone, if you want to talk to someone, there's always someone to ask. So I'd probably put that to you, Shafi. What I mean, do you think? There's a tension here about uh, letting registrars develop, and uh, and 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 sort of conceding to this con- kind of consultant-delivered, consultant-led service.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I agree with you. I think that my own practice, as much that we, I let my registrars and SHOs becoming independent is very important to them. I have uh, quite a senior trainees. They usually. Peri-CC CCT or post CCT, so they're quite senior and they need to get on make decisions. However, even despite that, they still need second opinions, they still need your yeah. input occasionally um, especially exactly, surgery, yeah. Steve. when things go wrong or things aren't quite right or the decision for laparoscopy needs to be made for example and so actually, they still need your support from time to time yeah. and that's what you're offering, that's what I offer. I'm not seeing mm. you see the standard sort of post-op patients are going to get better it's yeah. maybe they'll say, I'm not sure about this and Mr Ahmed would you mind giving an opinion, for example? Yeah, And that's where it and, becomes I think really useful. Not just Sammy, the I was, I was thinking, sorry, I'm in not, the theatre, yeah. and mm, outside theatre yeah,
2: maybe, exactly. for example. Mm. In theatre, it was going to be my example, because I was thinking of times when, when you're sort of operating and um, come to a point where you're, you have an uncertainty, and often you, you might call the boss in, and it might just be a quick look that, that decides things and says, oh, you know, continue doing this, or you know, I'll, I'll scrub in and, and give you a hand. Yes. I don't know, you know, I thought, you know, for me, I was thinking if there was a Google Glass in theatre, I mean, and this is obviously way down in the yes. future if the technology yes. was affordable, but you'd have that option where, you, you know, yes. you could... <laughs> Sounds you, perfect. You, you could have, you, you could just, you know, call for someone, a second pair of eyes, uh, yeah. a helping hand, and I'm sure you were thinking along those lines eventually as well. Uh,
1: yeah, but, and, and why not? Exactly, often yeah. you have to rush in to give a hand. Sometimes, mm. you know... Um, It's a simple decision to be made. There's no Mm. reason why you can't do that. Now that's where we should be. Obviously, there's huge logistic problems with that. Uh, We're soft uh, with um, uh, confidentiality and how we go about that going forward. However, that would be the ideal scenario. And also remember the trauma Mm. cases um, that come across. um, You come across Mm. in A and E where you're not quite sure about decision making. There you are. Mm. Here's your example. You can be used again. And one of the things that um, I'm quite keen on doing is. one of my other roles that I have is I'm a sort of a civilian device to the armed forces, and I was with the military only a few weeks ago with the um, head of the uh, Royal Air Force. And oh, we're right. thinking about how we can use glass remotely, but out in the um, in the field, for example, in Afghanistan, where if you have a trauma victim, for example, or a mm. difficult case, they stream and get a second opinion from the UK, for a surgeon that may not be able to be there, but offer advice, for example. Um, and that would be really, I think, beneficial for people out in Afghanistan and other places that are remote, that may have access directly. So we're looking at all those avenues as well in terms of how we um, utilise the, I suppose, the, the glass technology.
0: Hmm. Yeah, and I was thinking along those lines of of kind of sort of bridging the gap between research and clinical practice and translational medicine uh, and translational surgery is is very topical. Um, But I could see something like this actually speeding the translation from uh, a research paper in uh, a journal, you know, it could even be an obscure journal. Um but if you've got a world expert in a particular case, a particular operation uh who's in a different country to you, you could potentially have that person watching your operation as you do it and It mm. may be a very difficult and tricky operation, but you you know you having the the world 's expert there um would be tremendously beneficial in the same way that you you've alluded to with uh with the military service and uh you're you're a bit of a busy man, aren't you
1: <laughs> <I mean. laughs> It does yeah, I busy. myself busy, unfortunately, um, much the detriment of my family, of course. But um, I think that it's just you're right. All these um, avenues we can explore, um, mm. but I suppose you have to someone has to take the um, uh, ball by the horns and have a go and do these things. And that's very much where I am in this. Because if we decide to think about ideas, think about implementing them slowly, making sure everything's correct, blah blah. blah um, I don't think, it's a very slow process. Social innovation has changed, Stephen, over the course of the last 20, 30 years. We are yeah. more careful. Um, we do look at um, harm that we may do. We go through ethics, we go through a phase where we introduce things very slowly. And that's what's stifling innovation to some extent, but in the right way, because it means we're safe and we're not being cavalier. At the same time, you've got to push the boundaries as hard as you possibly can. Uh, and my view with this was certainly we just go for it um, big time and go for the, um, the sort of the case that we did um, two, six weeks ago. We need to see how far we can push the technology as it is today, what's needed to change in that technology to make it more useful, and how can we bring those changes forward quickly. And I, I remember when I was doing the case, actually, back to the story, I mean, we had um, at 2 o'clock um, in the afternoon, I was about to go live, we could see that about 14,000 people logging on, which was obviously quite concerning, quite scary. We also had the yes, ITN News at 10 camera within an inch of my face. And also, <laughs> we had obviously the medical director, who was quite rightly was asked questions. He thought about safety, he thought about the governance. And we've been through that with him the day hmm. before and the week before. And we were satisfied that we had thought about the governance issues regarding such a big live demonstration. and. I think that's what's required to, to make those big changes in people's perceptions. Unfortunately, you just have to probably take not take risks, but certainly push the, uh, the boat out.
0: Yeah, and I yeah. certainly applaud you for mm. it. Uh, I think it's a fantastic achievement what you've done already. But on that note, everything that we've we've spoken about um, uh, essentially has been just leveraging the the stocky, you know. Google Glass as it is, using the applications that already exist. And, you know, we've mentioned about certain tweaks and certain projects that you'd like to do. But can you, is there anything that you're particularly excited about? So I'm thinking really in terms of uh, the information age and, and sort of blending this uh, rich information and data um, into the sort of experience of a patient is there anything that you're particularly excited about any novel uses any novel technologies that don't yet exist uh, that you're particularly interested in
1: well I suppose if you think about this as a whole my view it, this will get smaller and smaller so my view is that glass will get smaller and smaller it become more powerful, it become more intuitive it will become more responsive to voice commands uh, there may be a time where literally it's a small spot on your retina, for example, uh, and mm. that way you can really move the whole pathway forward. The other thing about looking at surgical simulation as a whole is that we're still lacking the perfect simulator, still, despite lots of money being thrown simulation. Yeah, this but is the perfect yeah. black
0: box, really, isn't it?
1: It is. And we're still using simulations that provide a little bit of haptic feedback, but not enough, not realistic. I, I, to, mm. I teach on simulation at, at St. Mary's and um, uh, on the faculty there and actually we're still struggling with basic equipment uh, using plastics or silastic or whatever we use plus the laparoscopic um, simulators and they're not, they're not cheap they're quite expensive but they still lack a real world um, sort yeah. of clarity I'm sure you've seen those, Nish, haven't you? And I, don't I mean, was going to say so, from my purpose. experience
2: mm. it's nothing quite beats being supervised by, by the boss in theatre really I don't think there's You know, although I've been spent time on these simulators, it's you learn so much quicker with with just someone there who who can take you through it. Um, Um, But the 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 interaction is probably the main thing there. I guess is like you said. Mm. I was going to ask. um, I had some technical questions that I've been wanting to ask you just about actually using it. Um, And so, for the first time, you filmed it. Um, So I was wondering more along uh, sort of lines of how you know. I, I guess a lot of people would ask whether you found it distracting, obviously, and you know that's the main. Sort of worry, I think, from sort of people who haven't used the device. Is it is it distracting at all to be operating and have that in the corner of your vision? I'm, I'm presuming you'll say it's not too bad. Obviously, you can look away from it as needed, but
1: yeah. just to confirm not, that, really, yeah. I guess. Uh, conceptually, you think that it'd be mm. quite distracting. Uh, you can imagine the mm. public being horrified, thinking of mm. looking at a video screen while you're operating, for example. Um, yeah, exactly. Actually, it's not that bad at all. The The image that's projected is literally. Slightly higher than your eye level, the glass Mm. sits just above your eye level, and so when you're looking up, for example, you will see the image, and the image projected is if you look at about 10 feet plasma TV, so it's quite large, uh, picture you're watching to give you an idea about what you're seeing, Mm. but it doesn't affect your vision because you're looking down, and actually Mm. the glass isn't in your field of view at all. You get a great mm. view of everything you need to um, and then when you look up you can see what you're seeing now that's a slight disadvantage because it's not quite in your point of view, not quite in your line of sight so right. actually what you have to do when you operate and you're teaching is actually look a bit lower at the operative field so that the glass is looking at the correct operative field yeah? and that's been okay. a so sort of criticism for the Americans who have been doing the work over the last year what I've noticed Mm. as well. So you have to suddenly change the angle of the glass. So you have to look
2: slightly, oh you have to change the angle I assume.
1: Well you know you have to look down yourself a little bit Mm. but also get the glass to look down and one of the two hopefully get the view. So what we do when we do the live recording I have a big TV monitor in front of me at the the back so I can Mm. see what they're looking at to make sure that I'm always looking at the field that I should be. Mm. I'm constantly during the live stream asking the moderator are you happy with the image? Uh, can you see mm. what I'm demonstrating? And actually, so far we've been okay because the the wide-angle view you get from the glass covers the operative field. The a concern I have.
2: Okay. And any other surprises at all that when you're using it? I mean, often technology now the problem is battery life. I've heard the battery's not too long so far on the Google Glass. Yeah. Did you have to change it yeah. during the operation? Or
1: yeah. really good question, Ishant. Essentially, yeah. the um, the battery life um, is about an hour. That's what I heard so, about an hour. So, yeah. Yeah. So, but thankfully, the three operations I've done so far have been about an hour. Right. Okay. <laughs> so, we managed to speed along, knowing that. But what we've done now, of course, is that uh, we've purchased a lot of glasses. So, I've got now some eight glasses that I've bought from Google. And so, suck. we can replace them if we need to during the live feed and put another one on, for example, to allow mm. for two or three operations. I also have experiment with a battery pack in my back that were linked to to the uh, glass so that you right. get a constant battery feed. The problem with that, mm. of course, is that the battery gets quite hot on the glass, it doesn't work as well. If it gets too hot, it has to switch itself off to recover. So we've noticed mm. that problem. The other thing they've produced, there's two companies now, I think in the States, that produce specific battery packs. That fix onto the glass around your head, rather than in your pocket. Yeah, and that yeah. allows the battery to last two to three hours. Uh, one's called a Power Glass. One's called I can't remember the other name the other one. But we're right, hoping so, to get some yeah. prototypes out to us in the next few weeks. Actually, try them out.
0: Okay, Shafi, I'll build you one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm, getting,
0: I'm really getting into my hardware. I can uh, whatever you want. I'll I'll, hey. I'll build it. <laughs>
1: uh, I'll be contacting you soon. <laughs>
2: and so, when the actual stream was going on, was it done in a Google place? Or, I mean, what, what exactly, how did you set up? things um, that
1: Google used before was something called Hangout, which they Google Hangout, them. yeah. 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 But they've actually stopped using that now. It wasn't fit for purpose, it wasn't working well. Mm. I think they had major problems with the two way interaction on Google Hangout. And they actually stopped it and took it away from the App Store. I, mean, I say App Store, but the App stores really limited on the glass. It's still experimental in store version. So, they've, um, so we, we were, when we did it actually, uh, one of the key things was that when we got the glass um, a few months ago, mm. I gave it to my two medical students, Stephen, the uh, President and the Vice President of the student Union. Uh, <laughs> who they're, I they're, to, they're not in you know,
0: any fit state to deal with. <laughs> yeah. they, they,
1: they, they, were, they, they were great. So, I said, look, yeah, here's the glass. Um, I want you to work out how to use it properly. Um, they're very techy minded, much more than I am, in fact. And I said, look, this is what I'm trying to do. Um, because we still didn't have the software available, a lot of things we just couldn't make work. So I gave them one week. They came back a week later, had an email from various people around the globe, worked out how to use some of the software, and then they managed to persuade the company Livestream to release mm-hmm. the software early for us so that we could actually access the live stream straight away. The live stream is a standalone platform. Uh, that uh, works with glass that allows you to stream live, and that's the preferred partner now for streaming for Google. Mm-hmm. So, we oh. tried that on the um, on one day and we managed to make it work. We managed to get a good stream, good bandwidth, uh, only about a 20 second delay uh, or so. Mm-hmm. We then tested the day after in the theatres to see whether the Wi Fi was working properly, whether we could stream um, well reliable.
2: Hospital Wi-Fi, fantastic. <laughs> yes,
1: uh, so we now um, hopefully, um, the hospital is now going to give us the um, username of, um, uh, the hexadecimal numbers to actually link straight to the Wi-Fi rather than having username and password account but soon it just mm. picks it up on the int- into the, the Wi-Fi itself. And then the day after we went, li- we went live, we said sort of we'll do this operation and we went live within 18 hours in 18 hours we got a lot of um, feedback from Twitter and Facebook but we're mm. really at the cutting edge of that point because uh, no one had done that before or seen what could be achieved because the version 2 had just come out a week before, or two weeks before, people still were still playing around with it and we right. worked out how to use it fairly quickly and I have to thank both uh, Ali Jawad and Oliver uh, who really managed to suss it out very quickly about how mm. we could use this uh, in that sort of in that form. I think it took me by surprise. I think we beat the Americans and other people around the, the world. We mm. just really went for it within a week.
2: And how how exactly do you publicise it? This is the other thing I was wondering because you mentioned so many countries and so many mm. people logging on. And, Absolutely. You know, obviously I, I've heard about it, fortunately, from you, yourself mostly. But um, I. Didn't come across it online or through the college particularly beforehand. Yeah, and I assume so, it's going to be more through the college now. But
1: yeah, it will be. So we've had essentially mm. when we did the first case. So on a on a Wednesday afternoon, about midday, mm. one o'clock was the night to the clock. We decided right. live the day after we had a nice case. The patient consented fully. Well, he's very happy for his um, video to be streamed live to anybody, not just students or trainees, but literally any person in the world. So he's yeah, the ideal his, patient um, offering consent. Yeah. And it's then I said, well, that gave me confidence yeah. that could be used. And then we literally, in 18 hours, used Twitter, uh, we mm. used Facebook. We also had the medical school, the student president, and his vice president contact all the medical schools they knew of around the world oh, um, wow. and wow. just email them. Yeah. I emailed all my lecture students, all the people that I knew from various email forums I have. Mm-hmm. And this is what we're doing. Uh, please feel free to log on and tell me what you think. And in fact, within 18 hours, we had the 14,000 people logged in. So it's, it's, I suppose, it's social media, isn't it? Uh, And how it works effectively. I was a bit worried that maybe we'd gone too big too quickly. I was a bit concerned (laughs) by the volume. I thought maybe, actually. Mm. In fact, the concerns I had at the time of the operation were more of the fact that, is the infrastructure going to hold?
2: Okay, so a bit, yeah.
1: Will will stream be able to manage this? In fact, mm. we're live stream actually on the day. So, you know, we're expecting a lot of people now. And we're a bit worried about live stream and whether we have, they said, don't worry about us. We can stream to 400,000 people in one go. So, don't worry about We can do live stream. <laughs> don't worry about us. <laughs> so, that
2: reassured yeah. us immensely. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Obviously, added pressure there. And then with the the sort of media courage, like you mentioned as well, which, um, did you, I mean, did you expect that level of sort of interest as well? Uh, I guess, like you said, today. trying to be the first. So,
1: it was overwhelming it was because be... I was just concentrating mm. on what I had to do for the operation, how to make it work mm. and everything was running in parallel obviously the hospital media caught it they phoned yeah. ITN, yeah. they were very interested in the first uh, Google Glass transmission uh, QMUL were interested, they were uh, tweeting and sending messages out, and advertising it and mm. they got great traction uh, from all that and I suppose it was very good for us as a hospital to get the, um, the um, I suppose uh, the marketing from that, and also mm. the medical school, because um, you know we had probably over 300 newspapers worldwide reporting it the day after. Um, so for the medical school and hospital, it was fantastic for us as a whole, show them what we could do, um, and yeah. yeah. going forward from there, of course, um, I've, uh, we've sort of engaged much more to make sure that when we do these cases, we do market it properly, we do tell the right people. What I've done actually, I've sort of stepped back slightly. What I've done now. Is um, embed the um, streams onto our we- own website. We have right. a password uh, control, the username and password. We only give it out to students or trainees with the university address, and we very much control the numbers that we want to teach because it has to be a teaching platform overall. Mm. Um, so that works much better. The other thing we did, of course, is that you could, for instance, just on the live stream, type in the questions in the box, and it comes up on my glass. Now yes. with thousands of people on the stream, it's too many questions. It freezes, and mm. also you get um, a chat that's not uh, appropriate for the um, work that you're doing. <laughs> so what we've done now is we moderate the chat. So now we have. So the second case I did, I had five and a half thousand people. The last case I only had 500. I said let's just limit to 500, and let's nice. just see how we can teach five hundred people across the globe. We had a special moderation so. One of the uh, trainees or the uh, students becomes the moderator, oh, I see, and okay. he, looks at, yeah. he looks at the questions. And mm. and the good thing about the chat is that people teach themselves as they're chatting, they're asking questions, other people mm. answer it for of them. So they're getting live interaction that way around the world. And the, and some questions he puts up on the glass for me, so I only have select questions to answer. So it takes away the a huge amount of um, information on my screen to mm. just a few. Um, mm. That are sensible and selective, and we've also created the um, sort of the chat etiquette for Google Glass. We've mm. got a list of things we expect our um, our um, sort of viewers to make sure they adhere to. If they don't adhere to those, we'll just wipe them out of the live stream. Make sure they didn't don't see it again because we'll make sure that it's appropriate for what we do. So we've learned a lot from mm. those first few streams, and I think now we're really running quite a smooth uh, operation. It works well. The expectation is much better. The etiquette's mm. about right. The um, the moderation is excellent. It works well. The yep. glare has reduced with these three D devices. So I think now we've got a, a product that actually works. And now we're so learning happy all the time to go to other medical schools. I've had five office medical schools who want to use the same things we've done. And I've said to them, "Look, give me a few months to work out it. Make sure it works properly. Make sure I'm happy." But now mm. I'm happy to go to other medical schools and implement the same system there.
2: Okay, and can you? I was, I mean, you mentioned the questions. Can you give us some examples of like any interesting questions or things that would be slightly different that you would normally get from medical students in theatre? Because I've just been wondering myself.
1: Yeah, I suppose. I suppose the questions were they more unusual than anything else? I suppose the nice thing is that you're getting questions from all over the world. When you're answering questions, you're saying, um, "So this is a question from uh, Adam from Australia, for example." And mm-hmm. uh, he's asked a question about if there's a difference in the uh, these operations in Australia. Uh, they do they do them differently to us, for example, or do they have a, a different techniques, or what's the instance of cancer across the two countries, for example, which you'll mm. get uh, just teaching local students from your own medical school. So those are interesting and I learned a lot uh, from the feedback I get on the chat.
2: Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. And the other thing was that we mentioned briefly that like, research and I think Stephen mentioned it as well um, and I've been to uh, a research collaborative uh, meeting today about surgical trials actually um, mm-hmm. and the, one of the things they were talking about was how difficult it is to sort of surgical trials at the moment tend to be not involved with the steps of surgery so much more a, a few key things that can change because there's so much variation. But yes. I don't know, presumably when I mean, you've, you've looked at the education side of things so far but I, I mean I guess there, there would be possibly a role there in research, do you think? I and mean, I don't know what, what your thoughts on that so far.
1: Yeah, so you know, no, we want to do, do the research as well um, because mm. it hasn't been done effectively. And actually one of, the, one of my co-partners in the work that I do at The in London uh, is also an academic. Mm. And so we've just got a grant of £20,000 from the charity to start doing mm. some work with some projects. And I'll be applying for a major grant from the medical school to do some proper uh, research on the area uh, and looking mm. at actually quantifying how the glass can be used, the effectiveness of it all, and yeah. looking at how we structure the teaching program properly to get the outcomes that we hopefully will get. So, mm. then the whole idea is not just to use the glass empirically, but to design some trials around it. Um, and that's why I hoping we'll be sitting around so with a team fairly soon to work out how we're going to implement this further. But the first thing was to get the money make sure we had enough money in the kitty to be able to do some research which we have now now we can start thinking about the projects so it's always been our to do the research alongside mm.
0: that's, that's fantastic yeah and Chevy, you were alluding to some of the negatives there about uh, how you deal with uh, inappropriateness but I, I wanted to sort of uh, come back to this issue of confidentiality and privacy and uh, as i mentioned before i've been listening to uh, BBC already falls inside health, and they were talking very much about patients recording secretly or otherwise uh consultations with their doctors and I uh, just wanted to ask you, did you have any concerns about Google Glass technology and confidentiality and abuse? And potentially actually lawsuits because that's sort of something fortunately we're, we're that troubled with in the UK but obviously in, in, in countries like America it's a big problem and how do you see this technology because you put yourself on the line here when you do an operation live in front of so many people if you make a mistake obviously that's going to be broadcast to to the world and I know you want to be accountable but there, there are some issues and not every doctor feels confident and comfortable about that.
1: Yeah, no, yeah, you're absolutely right, so we mm. had this discussion uh, prior to uh, doing that first live feed that we weren't uh, being silly, we just made sure that we were thought about the right ideas. One of the things that we did do of course is that there's about a 20-30 second delay in the transmission Um, inherently just because of the fact that it has to go to America and come back and all sorts of things. so that, Creates a delay, and that's helpful because that delay makes sure that if there is an interruptive problem, for example, you can switch off the machine and that's it. It's at least you're not recording live, so, so that's so, quite important.
0: So, your chief execs behind you, and obviously, you've got a very <laughs> understanding chief executive, and uh, he obviously sees the benefit of this kind of technology yes. to the hospital and mm-hmm. to society. So, an interruptive problem comes and that's edu- of educational value obviously yeah, and it your chief be. exec is standing over your shoulder saying no Shafi now's time, kill it, kill it, kill it now <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> <all right. laughs> well, and yeah. you're saying no, it's educationally valuable, no, kill it Shafi <laughs> uh, I
1: think if we ran to major problems I think we'd have to cut uh, it there and then but, but at the same time if it's just minor complication, can deal with it that's important so I am not worry about that and actually it's not as if and one thing we have to stipulate, this is not a new operation we're doing. One of the things I'm always concerned about when you're trying to do a new innovative operation, brand new, or showing the world what you can be done, that's going to be fraught with danger because it's new. By definition, you might make mistakes or have complications, which is understandable. These are mm. these are bog stand operations, Stephen, yes? I heard you've done hundreds of times before. And there's much less chance of having those complications that going to. Uh, stop the transmission, for example. So I'm very careful about which operation I'm doing uh, and uh, how we forecast them. But in terms of the confidentiality, it is a, a problem. it is an issue, which I think the medical potential, especially as the glass become more and more uh, um, visible uh, across the, the UK. And my own view is that if the patient consents fully, which we've had all our patients consent, it's actually straightforward because that consent is there. Uh, and they're happy to consent for anybody or students to see the operation. The problem with confidentiality comes when you're walking around the ward, walking around the hospital, yeah. or having ward rounds. So those issues we have to be very careful, and that's why I've, I've just made sure that we've done very limited exercises with full support of the hospital, mm. including the legal team, including the medical director and the governance teams, so that we've be up very slowly, and that yeah. what I'm more uh, cautious about in terms yeah. of how we implement that to make sure we are seen to be uh, sensible and yeah. we're not um, approaching the levels of uh, um, affecting patient confidentiality at the outset. The operation is yeah. a different thing. I think that's been well Im- embedded and I'm, I'm not worried about that side of things. Okay.
0: Well, the patient's unconscious. Let's <coughs> put the shoe on Difficult. the, uh, the other differs. foot. So, uh for example, uh, you you you've taken very good steps uh to ensure that this content isn't abused and this content is used appropriately. But what would you do, for example, and I'm not asking for a politically correct answer here. I'm asking for what would your yeah. thoughts be if someone walked into clinic wearing Google Glass recording uh, yourself? Okay. Well, hmm. I
1: suppose if question, I'd have a discussion, obviously uh, I'm fairly open with tech. I'd ask them about uh, what, are the, what, what their aspirations are with the glass. Is it actually recording? Is it just that they're wearing it because it's a device, like a phone, for example? And I suppose the question is if someone came with a mobile phone recording, what would you do a similar thing then? I mean, it's, it's no different in some regards. So there's one element where the glass may be used by everybody, or a lot of people around the world, uh, and they'll be on all the time. Uh, and, but if it's actually you have to ask them to have a discussion about well, what you're recording and why you're recording it mm. and not actually offer, but be sensible about it to find out the reasons why and what they hope to achieve with it. Um, because obviously um, if it's a consultation that you're comfortable with, I haven't got a problem with that yeah, in terms of being recorded. Um, if it's uh, a difficult patient with difficult problems with complaints, etc., you might decide to act differently. But I'm feeling open with this now um, in terms of the use. The other thing about the glass, about people talking about on the um, sort of in the community or out and about when you wear the glass, I've worn the glass everywhere the past two and a half months on the train, walking around London, for example, in meetings, whatever. Just engage people's perceptions. And what did and, you find? Yeah, so there's a three perceptions which I'll share with you. The first perception <laughs> yeah. is that you have some sort of abnormality that uh, you can't hear or see. <laughs> <laughs> and you've got a that may help you. So hey, look at that. <laughs> Maybe it's a new type of glass or earwear or something. Uh, the other, uh, of course, the other parts, the other, the other third, are true Brits, of course, uh, true English people who are very reserved. Look the other way. They realise something on your head, and it's abnormal, but they won't look at you again. But they will wonder what it is. And, and the third blind group, eye. of course, yeah, the third group actually wants to know what it is. They come up to you, look at it, say what is it, talk to you about it, because they want to know the uses. The one thing about the glass that's obvious, if you're actually recording or looking at a picture or seeing something, you can actually see it on the monitor. You can see the image from a file. you can see a light. And also, you have to look up, remember. So when someone's looking mm. at the recording, it's fairly obvious. Um, mm. And actually, what I've got now, with this 3D printing thing, is a cover for the glass. So I put the cover around the glass, not record, but look at my screen from inside and still do what I need to do, but not record anyone, because everyone can see there's a cover on it. And that might Mm. be a way of overcoming people's perceptions about invading their privacy and showing that you've got a cover, you're not recording anything, it's just a Mm. device like a phone.
2: you're really testing the software well. And I understand as well that if you walk around, for example, London, it it often recognises different buildings and... Will tell you information about them and stuff. So it's, you know, there's yeah, a lot of Yeah, it shows one good thing is it does show the
1: um, the directions are fantastic by the way. So when you ask for mm. directions, it actually follows you down a road. As, if, <laughs> as you walk down the road, it moves with you. As you turn right, yeah. it turns right and shows the next road. And it's mm. really amazing actually, technology. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm. Ovary, please take me to the ovary. <laughs> That'll Indeed. be the next step, yeah. Skin incision first. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you've alluded to a couple of times this idea of a product, um, uh, and obviously there are lots of things you could do around this. But I, I just, I just wondered you know if there was a sort of market for a more integrated product because as you know moving your head around as a surgeon and you've said that you know people have a tendency to get seasick but there's obviously a market for this kind of technology these kind of videos this way of teaching Um, but i think you could integrate a lot of things that we already have existing so you know like the laparoscopic videos with the surgeon's eye view or you could put someone
2: you could have GoPro on top of the head or something I've seen yeah, people do yeah, that in theatre and record it's, an there's all
0: sorts of things it's a sort yeah. of integrated product in that way but did you uh, Shafi have any ideas about uh, other uses for this technology without you know breaking any non-disclosure agreements or, or giving away your best ideas but what are you what are you most excited about
1: yeah I, I think the integration is, is, is fantastic if you think about um, the CRS the clinical record system that we have and we use different systems around the globe and if you look at an example from the Beth Israel Deaconess Hospital in America and the use of QR codes for example so what they've done is a very simple exercise where uh, outside a patient's room and then when they walk in there's a QR code specific to that patient the glass when you look at the QR code picks up the QR code recognizes the patient the blood results, history and everything else and so they've really done those sort of things already or about to. You. So, if you imagine going one step forward in the operating theatre, is there a reason why you can't pull up the CRS records of the patient as you're operating? Is there a reason why you could not get the x rays uploaded and the x rays CTs, for mm. example, in orthopedics to make sure you know what you're doing rather having to go through CRS or on the computer? And so, The, the old
0: WHA surgical checklist that needs to be in there.
1: So, again, yeah. The old uh, the checklist, uh, WHA yeah. Uh, checklist. Yeah, of course, it's been there. So, and you can do mm-hmm. automatically like that. So, and that, that integration is, I think, going to be the key. Uh, and actually, uh, we'll be meeting with CERN and Millennium, who develop our software for our CRS, to see whether they think about implementing on our CRS system. But those are going to be much more difficult conversations uh, because of backward integration. I mean, it won't be easy at all, I don't think. Yeah,
0: there's a fantastic video. Uh, you know, I think if uh, you just type in Google Glass healthcare, you will find it uh, about Philips's integration in uh, yes. primarily in America uh, yeah. about integration with the electronic healthcare record. You know, yeah. as you're doing an operation, it's a sort of integrated healthcare um, and an an operation note system. Really, you know, Glass. Take a photo here and you're documenting things as you go along and I think that's tremendously yeah. valuable. Yeah,
1: and you can also record your op note, couldn't you? You can actually record some pictures, save them to file, you Bit can of then audio. say, Here's my mm. op note and upload it to the CRS and mm. you're done. So yeah, all those things, you know, that that that's the shoe but that's where we're going to be, I'm sure, at some yeah. point.
2: One thing when you mentioned QR codes though, I was I thinking for a minute that during obviously some operations you have to open bits of equipment. And mm. if you could actually you know, there's always that confusion about the size and is it the right type of, is it the mm-hmm. staple that I want, etc. is it the right wire. Yeah. But I can imagine just uh, probably as an extension of that, if you had, um, if they scanned it somewhere and you could suddenly see in front of you on your heads up display exactly what it was yes. and whether it was what you wanted. Yeah. I mean, that just yeah, changed yeah. things so much,
1: you know, yeah. you makes could things, do. everything um, makes things absolutely. a lot easier.
2: And with ro- ro- robotics
0: as they are now, we've had robotic pharmacy for a long time. But, you, you know, Shafi, mm. do you think we're, we're going to reduce the number of people in the operating theatre? You know, no longer will we need to ask the scrub nurse for a particular type of instrument. Will you just say, glass, give me an instrument? <laughs> <If> <laughs> yeah, you
1: know, exactly. We'll, yeah. We'll, still, we'll still need live people, I'm afraid, in the operating theatre. But you might be able <laughs> to get rid of some people from purchasing for uh, example. Yeah.
0: It sounds like you've increased the, uh, yeah, that would be interesting, but it sounds like you've increased the number of people in your operating <laughs> theatre. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they're all
1: virtual people from around
0: the world actually, Stephen. Not yeah. real. <laughs> but um, I, I fantastically, and we've been talking over for an, uh, an hour now, and we better mm. let you go, but uh, I fantastically applaud your efforts. I think it's fantastic. You sound like an extremely busy man. I don't know how you get time for it. Um, but but very well done, uh, and thank you for teaching me when I was a medical student. Uh, you've and been me in. Too. and been. Uh, you you have worries about inspiration, but I I would worry not. You inspire lots of people around the world, and particularly myself. But I want to leave with a sort of closing question, and um, I want to ask that now that the Google Glass program is expanding to consumers, what would you advise individual clinicians to do?
1: I think we have to be very careful, very circumspect, think about the applications. Obviously, um, think widely about how you're going to be using them, um, accept the limitations that we've already discussed before, uh, and to be careful about uh, patient safety and confidentiality at all times when you're thinking about the applications, because then I don't think you'll go too far wrong.
0: Perfect. Thank, thank you very much, Shafi. Thank you much uh, for your time. I think Love we should to
1: both of you. draw <laughs>
0: things to a close there. And uh, thank you very much for listening to the digital podcast. And uh, thank you very much to Shafi Ahmed at the Royal London Hospital and his innov- innovation within uh, the technology space and educational space. And uh, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. 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 Check for pulse.